Welcome to the Excel Still More podcast. I am your host, Chris Emerson. I'm here to encourage you in your walk with God. Thank you for joining in. Today's podcast is sponsored by Cunningham Financial Group. John Cunningham is a friend of mine and a brother in Christ, and he can help you with financial decisions and future planning. He's been a big help to me and my family, and I commend him to you. You can reach him at 205-913-1720. I am so thankful you're here, so let's get started. Hey, welcome back once again. I feel like I need to open with an apology, or at least an explanation, about today's episode and really the last three. I would say, for the most part, our Monday episodes are encouraging and uplifting, sending you on your way with a few tips and some strategies and a little bit of optimism. But today will be the third episode in a row that is a bit more sober in tone. We've looked back at the hurt of the past and forward to our family after we're gone. But today, and no doubt the hardest of all, we will talk about the violence and death and tragedy that took place recently in Uvalde, Texas. And specifically, what can I do about that? What does God want you to do about pain and suffering and agony and evil in the world around us? And if you are a part of a local church, what role do you play, you as in that local collection of believers, in affecting the kind of change in this world that can literally save lives and also souls? In the end, each episode was designed to give you something practical to think about. Two weeks ago, the letter you would write to a former version of yourself before many a trouble that you had faced was designed to deepen the gratitude you have for Jesus in your life today. Last week was a little tougher on me. I recounted for you the three phone calls I have received in my life of people who have died. They left a letter in the pockets and hearts of me and others that we will read for the rest of our lives based on the decisions that they made. And hopefully it helped you zero in on the legacy you want to leave to the people that you love. But I think today is the hardest of all. As I record this episode, it has only been a few days since an 18-year-old young man entered into an elementary school and took the lives of 19 kids. Kids, not even teenagers, little ones. He also took the lives of two adults, and as it stands today, there are 17 others in the hospital recovering from injuries. Unfortunately, as unbelievable an atrocity as took place this week, It is not exactly an isolated event. 27 school shootings with injury or death were reported in America so far this year. There have been at least 65 of them since 2018, which already defies anything I can imagine and does not include all of the terribly tragic, massive events in the last 10 to 15 years, as well as dozens in the hundreds of public violent attacks on innocent people around our country just in the last couple of years that are outside of schools. This world is dangerous. The behavior of godless people, damaged, misguided, hopeless, heartless people, is increasing in frequency and nature across our world. So the question is, what do we do about this? 
What would God have his people do about this? What does God want me to do about this? Well, there are a few things I want you to consider today that I believe to be vitally important. But let me begin with something that may be important but will not be our focus today. Politics and parties and elections and legislation. Gun right laws versus restriction laws. Police force rules and how well financed they should be at schools. There is a time and occasion to talk about all of those things, and if they are passions of yours, that's okay. I am by no means a highly political person. You would notice that if you listen to many of these episodes. We don't delve into any of those kinds of things. But I do have some pretty strong convictions within the list that I just gave you. I've been thinking a lot this week about the amount of financing that goes towards certain elements in schools versus what it would take to sure up the grounds. But in the end, that really just comes down to elections, maybe signing some petitions, and certainly praying that God will open the hearts of our leaders to make better decisions. But once you have cast that ballot or signed that petition or worded that prayer, now what do you do? It becomes very easy in the weeks that follow for Christians to go right back to their somewhat segregated lives. And this is the mistake, if I can call it that, that I hope to remedy in my life and perhaps in yours. My opinion is that many of us Christians have built walls to separate us from the evils of this world. Walls around our homes separating us from our neighbors. Walls around our church buildings, figuratively and maybe literally speaking, to separate those who are in Christ from those who are without. People can come to us if they like, and they pass the proper criteria, but the concept of us going to this lost world to try to change the way people think and how they feel about themselves just seems like this lost cause in a world set to be burned. And hey, that all may sound good to you. You may be like, Lord, come quickly, take your people. But in the meantime, We and our children live outside of those walls. Most of us work outside of the walls of our homes. Our children go to schools surrounded by people outside of the walls of our church buildings. We live out there. And instead of hiding and hoping that we go unnoticed until we can get back to the safety of our cove, each of us needs to revisit and reinvigorate our hearts with the light of the world principle that Jesus taught. The very Jesus who went to the houses of tax collectors and prostitutes, who spent time with the most ignorant of people to try and enlighten them to a better way. They sought to change their community. They sought to integrate faith into the community and draw people out of the world to integrate with them. We cannot just write off this world as evil and hopeless and still live in it with any sort of peace. We've got work to do. Now, that brings about an important question. What is our work and what can we do? Well, look, let's start with the rightest and simplest thing that we can. We need to be praying. Praying for our world to be enlightened by the Lord. Praying, as I said earlier, for our political representatives to make moral and wise decisions. Praying that our nation finally gives up on self-sufficiency and gets back to the Word of God. I am all for that. I would tell you a few things about it, however. One, be consistent in this. Not just after young people lost their lives. If you want God in this world and you believe God can do it, then keep 
praying for it. This helps us keep our minds outside of our walls, which we may end up just tearing down, and into a culture that God can reach, and that's why we're praying for it. I would also ask you to be careful of the negativity that often follows. We pray for God to be in this world, and then we go on social media, or we converse with brethren, and we just start saying things like, well, they took God out of schools long ago. You shouldn't be surprised when terrible things happen. This nation has forsaken God for idols many generations ago, and now we're reaping what we sow. Look, that may be true, but we need to get to a solution-oriented discussion because we're still living in this thing and among all of this. And that's kind of my biggest point about prayer. Pray all of those things, but at the end of your prayer, say, God, use me. God, I understand that I am the vessel that you would use to establish your presence in this world. Have you thought about that? You're praying, we need to get God back into schools. And God's like, yeah, it's you. I want you to converse with students. I want you to be a light in this community. I want you to carry my word into conversations where people rarely ever hear the word. Oftentimes we're asking for God to get back into the center of our country and God is looking at us saying, I'm ready when you are. Because listen, if you're the person saying, we need to get Christ back in the center of things and abandonment of God has led to all of this, you'd be right about that. We could start all the way back in Genesis When Adam and Eve departed from the way of God, death and suffering was in the wake of that decision. Cain did something out of step with God, and a separation occurred, and a result of that was wrath that turned to murder on his part. This leads up to the godlessness of a violent world that was destroyed in the flood. I've lately been reading in the prophets about the Israelites, reading in Jeremiah and Ezekiel, And it is astounding how often in the sins of the people, idolatry and violence are connected. When people replaced God with anything or anyone else, they became more violent. They hurt the innocent. There was blood in the streets. That is an absolute connection that needs to be made. But therein lies the big question. How do we, as local churches in a community, as individual families... How do we help that happen? And the answer I want to provide to you today is indicated in our title, Community is Crucial. It is time for you and me to reach out. You see a stranger you don't know, meet them. You see someone who doesn't look like you and could potentially be suspicious, learn their story. If those people show up in our church building, especially if they look like they don't belong, Go and help them feel a sense of belonging. Depression, mental illness, violent tendencies, suicides. We haven't even brought that up today. How many people have simply taken their own lives because they feel isolated and worthless? We are God's hands to help them feel communal and valuable. This is going to mean getting out of the comfort zones that we're in. You know, the walls, us, the saved, you, the lost. We'll give you five steps. If you can march them, you can join us. Have we lost all heart that God had for people? How many people could overcome their violence, their anger, their bitterness, the 
repercussions of an abusive childhood if people in Christ welcomed them into their homes, heard their stories, cared enough not just for a simple hello or say one prayer, but cared enough to invest in them. And beyond just the short-term benefit of perhaps helping people cope so that they don't kill other people or kill themselves or end up in prison, we can save souls. We can help people get to heaven, but that is personal. That is one-on-one. That will happen because you reached out to someone who had no one. It will happen because local churches are seeking to help and save the lost around them. I am not a sociologist, but I would argue that a lack of community, support, integration, and love has contributed drastically to the degradation of our society and our young people. But hey, that's something we can help with because we are a community of believers celebrating our eternal relationship with Jesus. To help drive this home, I want to tell you about a young lady named Carrie. I did not know her previous to the incident in Uvalde, but I saw a post that she made on social media in the wake of it. She was very open to the fact that in her youth, she was subject to sexual abuse, a terrible home life with a facade of faithfulness, but ultimately she sat in her dark room and contemplated her own death only after planning the murder of people in her family and students at her school. She and her family had no community, no Christian community, no one to talk to or share with, no one took interest in her or her needs, and certainly not her family. She was in the planning stages of being just another dead killer on the news when a teacher at her school took special interest in her. This teacher is a Christian, and they still have a relationship years later. The teacher spoke to her every day, hugged her, listened to her, helped Carrie get involved in social programs, helped her get integrated into the church and surrounded by believers, and completely rewired Carrie's brain from isolation to community. She wanted out of her depression, but was powerless on her own to get there. It would be easy to say that that young lady needed God. She did need God. She did not know how to find Him. In fact, in episodes that are all too common in her home, God was used as a tool to traumatize and control her, not as a friend to rescue her. A single Christian changed her life with daily care for this person. Now Carrie has become a Christian, and she counsels young people through the same issues that she faced. She is an advocate for hotlines that people can call to speak to others when they're contemplating such behavior as school shootings. She is an advocate for community programs of support and certainly for Christians picking up the mantle handed on to us in the book of Acts, a sense of community and integration and shared burden, where we worship together, we eat together, we speak with one another, we pray for one another. We do this as a family. I just finished reading the entirety of her post again while I was recording this, and I could not help but think, how many people in this town? How many people are all alone and they just need someone to reach out? How many people would flourish in escaping the darkness if they were with people of light who loved them? 
And again, this is where we say, hey, they know where we are. Maybe they don't know where we are. Maybe they do know where you are, but they are at such a dark place as to contemplate ending their own lives. Do you really think they have the power to exert the energy to invest in the hope that you might care about them? Community is crucial. You know that it is. It's what keeps you going. The switch that we have to flip among God's people is how those community connections get made. As I said earlier, it starts with you having a conversation with someone who looks uncomfortable, you welcoming someone to sit with your family when they visit the church, and opening your home to feed them. It's you and me investing the time for lengthy phone calls or sit-downs to just listen. In a world where everyone is out for themselves, what kind of a difference do you think it will make when someone realizes that you care about them and that God cares about them? And look, we're not just talking today about how to eliminate school shootings, and we're not just talking about people who suffer from abuse or mental illness. We're talking about everyone. Or maybe I should put it this way, anyone who God puts in your life who is not enjoying the community that helps you thrive. Is this an evangelism episode tucked into saving lives at school? You know, in practicality, it is. Because our goal is not just community, it's salvation. I want to finish with this. I look back through Carrie's posts, and I noticed that a couple of days before the shooting, She posted about how people are overcoming chemical addiction. And she posted a story about a test done on rats decades ago, where they offered a rat pure water and heroin water, and before long it chose the heroin and died soon after. And then they thought, maybe the rat is just lonely. So they put it in a rat park with a bunch of other rats and things to do and activities, They presented the rats with the two forms of water, and something surprising happened. Few, if any, chose the heroin water. They didn't need it to cope with isolation. They didn't want it to disrupt the community of which they were a part. Look, I don't know. If rats can figure out the power of community and how crucial relationships are, and if Christians have proven ourselves wiser than rats— by enjoying the fellowship of believers and thriving in the community of the faith. Isn't it time we consistently extended that blessed hope to others? Look around. God has already placed lonely people in your life. The people that you've prayed would know God, and he's ready to do it. Are you ready to acknowledge that you are the means by which it will be accomplished? So be aware and be ready to extend your hand to others. Because when it comes to their healing and their hope, community is crucial. Thank you so much for joining in today. If you enjoyed this program, consider sharing it with your family and your friends. And if you're just in search of deeper Bible study or you want to share the message of Jesus with the children in your life, remember to go to creation2revelation.com. This wonderful company, run by Christians, provides beautiful illustrations of Scripture from beginning to end, putting the spotlight on Jesus. And remember this, whatever you choose to do today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, excel still 
more.